All right. Well, we're excited again to be offering Alpha this fall. And uh, we're working at pulling a team together, uh, hoping that many of you will be interested in helping to be a part of that. It's going to mean, uh, you know, some, uh, some people working in the kitchen to make some food and, and some people willing to, to sit around tables and, uh, and, and engage in conversation with, with seekers, with people curious about Jesus, curious about faith. And, uh, uh, you know, Alpha is not, it's not for us, but it's an amazing tool for us to use to engage with people who are asking those questions. And you, you and I know that, that there are more people asking those questions than we often realize. There are more people curious and open to Jesus than we probably often realize. And what an amazing opportunity to invite someone to say, won't you come on this journey with us for 10 weeks? And, and who knows what will happen, right? So I encourage you to be praying. Who are one, two, three people that you could invite and say, would you be interested in coming to Alpha with us? We're going to have little, uh, little giveaway cards available next week uh, that you can invite people. Alpha will be starting September 19th, so it's about a month away. And uh, just encourage you to be praying about who you could invite and how you could be in, involved in helping us uh, reach our, our city with, uh, with Alpha. Sound good? Wow. You guys are asleep this morning. Sound good? Yeah, yeah there we go. Now you're awake. All right. So we are in uh, week four of our series, Beauty for Ashes. And if you're just joining us today, uh, we've been looking at how we can find resurrection hope during difficult seasons. I know we could have, uh, we could have done this series maybe at Easter time because it does talk about resurrection, but every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Every Sunday is a celebration that Jesus has risen, and, and that is our hope. And, uh, you know, we've talked about how other philosophies or religions tend to lean towards avoidance or denial when it comes to dealing with pain. And, and sometimes those approaches can seem tempting, right, in the short term, comforting solutions to just avoid the pain or pretend it isn't there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the biblical model is death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. To embrace the reality of pain and to realize that hope can be found not just in spite of pain, but sometimes right in the midst of it. Embracing the way of the cross, embracing the way of Christ. And the resurrection power of Jesus will do its work in us as we lean in and say, God, where are you in this season? What are you doing in this season? What do you want to do in me in this season? Realizing that God actually has a plan to use our pain to make us stronger and more beautiful in Him. 
It's amazing. Today, we're talking about... Oh, I forgot to plug in my USB. Thank you. Today, we're talking about disappointment. Disappointment. Interesting word, disappointment. Um, Each of us has been appointed by God to a God-given assignment on this earth. Disappointment is a reality of life. But if we don't handle it well, if we don't process disappointment and work through it, it settles in our hearts into a bitter cynicism. We need to be careful of how we deal with disappointment in our lives. If people let us down and we allow that bitter cynicism to, to, to harden in our hearts, to settle in our hearts, then we start to believe that people will always let us down. If God doesn't come through in the way that we expected Him to do, we begin to believe that he can't or he won't next time either. And if we let this get a grip on our hearts, then disappointment will cause us to become disappointed. To lose out on the appointed assignment from God on our lives because our, our unbelief Our disappointment has become a barrier for us to living out God's purpose. So we want to talk today about how we work through the death of disappointment so that new life can come. Disappointment begins with high expectations. We're going to do a... uh, We're going to do a case study today from Scripture on disappointment. But disappointment is is real. Disappointment often has a bigger impact on the landscape of our souls and our lives than sometimes we admit or realize. We're disappointed because we had expectations that were not fulfilled. That's what disappointment is, right? Right? We had expectations that were not fulfilled. Sometimes those expectations were entirely unrealistic. We expected something that just wasn't, didn't make sense for us to expect. Sometimes our expectations of others are even unfair to them. It's their expectations that are beyond their ability to come through. And oftentimes, our expectations are uncommunicated. If we expect something from someone, but we don't tell them we expect that, um, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, aren't we? But oftentimes, our expectations are uncommunicated and then are unmet. 
Sometimes people of great faith are very susceptible to disappointment because in their faith to believe for great things, they may have gone beyond what God has called them to believe for. Or they may have skewed the picture of, of, of God's way of bringing about the answer to that prayer. We may have assumed the timing. We may have assumed the process. And when God chooses to do it differently than we expected, we become disappointed. Sometimes we hold more tightly to our ideal of an expectation than we do to the Lord himself. And we find ourselves in a place of deep disappointment. And then, as good, faith-filled, spirit-filled followers of Jesus, we don't feel like we're allowed to express our disappointment with God or with others, and so we push it down. We stuff it. Push it down deeper. And disappointment piles on disappointment. And sometimes we can go years with our heart growing harder because of the cynicism of disappointment. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? And so our case study today, our case study is from Luke chapter 24, but we need a little bit of background in Luke chapter 19. So if you have Bibles or Bible apps, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start there. Just lay a bit of groundwork. We're, of course, in Luke 24. When we get there, we're going to be talking about the disappointment of the disciples and what they experienced in Jesus' death. But in order to understand how deep their disappointment went, it's important to understand how high their expectations were. How high the messianic fervor of that moment was. What they expected God was about to do in this moment. So Luke 19 verse 28 Jesus has just been talking about his kingdom and his kingdom coming. And then it says in verse 28, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. 
And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt. But now it is hidden from your eyes. See, they had a different picture of what would bring them peace. Of what this moment was about. The messianic fervor is high. And as Jesus is riding into the east gate of Jerusalem, which had been foretold in the prophecies, as he's doing it on a donkey, which had been foretold in the prophecies in Zechariah, Historians tell us that very likely at that very moment, understanding what was going on as they were leading up to the week of Passover, historians suggest very likely at that very moment that Jesus is coming in the east gate of Jerusalem, Pilate and a whole troop of soldiers are coming in the west gate from Caesarea to come and establish the authority of Rome as people are gathering in the city. And here you have juxtaposed, uh, put side by side, the, the pilot riding in a chariot or riding on a, on a powerful steed, a powerful horse, leading a whole army of soldiers in the west gate to show the might of Rome. Here's who we are. You better behave. Jesus in humility rides in the east gate on a donkey. A king from a different kingdom. But the fervor is high and people are excited and they know as Jesus is about to come down down the Mount of Olives into the valley and up the hill into the east gate and he's asked for a donkey. They understand the symbolism. Jesus wasn't just calling an Uber. This was a significant moment. This donkey was significant. They throw their cloaks on him and they begin to shout and praise God for all he's done. And the, and the things that they shout, this is And that is the backdrop. The disciples just didn't understand. They didn't get it. And when Jesus dies, they are so confused. And their highest of hopes come crashing down. When we have high expectations of ourselves, of God, of the people around us, of our church. And they're, and they're not met. 
We're disappointed. So what do we do with that disappointment? Maybe you thought you'd be farther ahead in your career by now. Maybe you prayed for healing for someone. Instead of getting better, they, they got worse or they passed away. Maybe you prayed for provision that didn't seem to come. Maybe you prayed for provision that didn't seem to come. Maybe you thought that person was going to be a a wonderful new friend and they betrayed you or worse, seemed totally disinterested in, in connecting with you. Or maybe your church didn't care for you the way that you expected them to care for you or, or give you room or space to serve in the way that you wanted to serve. Disappointment. So let's flip over to Luke chapter 20, 24. Talk about when expectations are crushed. Chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Now that same day, this was the, this was, this was Sunday, this was resurrection day. And Two, a couple of the women had, had come back after they went to, to uh, deal with Jesus' body. They came back, said they'd seen Jesus, but nobody believed them. They figured that they would just, you know, in, you know, in all of their hopefulness and their expectation, they just made it up seen something, had a hallucination, whatever it was. So they didn't believe them. Now that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed those things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, Jesus asked. He's got a sexy humor, doesn't he? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that seen a vision of angels who'd said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So these two followers of Jesus, Cleopas, we know is the name of one of them. We also know that Cleopas's wife, Mary, was one of the Marys that helped take Jesus' body off the cross. So it doesn't tell us who the other disciple was, but there are many who suggest it's his wife, right? Cleopas and Mary. Heading home. Might as well go home. It's all over. All of our hopes, all that was going to be accomplished, it's all over. And they take this long, slow, trudging walk all through the day, heading back to Emmaus, 11 kilometers home. And as they talk with Jesus, it says that their, their face was downcast, right? It's not a posture of hope, it's a posture of defeat. Their face is downcast, so disappointed. And they say that Jesus, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. What they didn't say is, we thought he was the Son of God. We thought he was the Messiah. But now I guess we just think he's a prophet. He was a prophet. He's getting us one step closer to what God has planned. He was a prophet. They said, we had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. We had hoped. Disappointment is a hope thief. When we get trapped in a, in a, in a place of disappointment and defeat, um, we lose the ability to hope again. Disappointment is a hope thief. We thought this was the moment when Israel was going to be freed from their oppression. Romans would be kicked out of Palestine and we would have our kingdom again. We had hoped. While we're stuck in disappointment, we cannot see a better future. These disciples are negative. They're caught up. They're caught up in the story around them. They're caught up in the things that are happening. And they can't get the elevation to see God's up to something here. But they're getting pulled into the storm and defeated. So how do we get unstuck from disappointment? 
Well, I want to I mention this morning, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in, in one of our messages as well in this series, but the power of lament, the power of lament, the power of expressing our disappointment. See, when we've got it stuffed, when we've got it pushed down, all it does is cause hardening of our spiritual hearts. So why didn't Jesus, as he hung on the cross, why didn't Jesus say to his disciples, chaps, I'll be over. Sunday's coming. The grave will be empty. Victory will come. He knew what he was, what had to happen. Why didn't Jesus say that from the cross? Maybe there's actually a necessity for Holy Saturday. Maybe there's actually something healthy about embracing the moment of despair and discouragement and, and, and disappointment and allowing yourself to express that so that you can move beyond that. But if you're stuck in denial, if you're stuck in a place where you can't express your disappointment, then you can't move on, right? Um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a cheery verse for you. Ecclesiastes 7.13. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Isn't that cheery? But rather than pretending that the disappointment's not there, embracing it and expressing it actually leads us into a healthier place. Right? And as we said a couple weeks ago, we've got a whole book called Lamentations that's given over to expressing disappointment, disappointment with God, disappointment with people. We've got all kinds of psalms that, that talk about disappointment. But they do so in a context of worship, a context of saying, God, none of this makes sense to me right now. And I feel like I've been let down, but God, I trust you. Right? And Jesus actually gives these disciples the power of reframing the story. They'd seen it from one perspective, a wrong perspective. How many times do you and I walk through stuff in our lives and we've got it all figured out how God's going to have it all figured out, right? We know exactly how he's going to fix this and we tell him so. But then when he has a different plan than us, right, We need to reframe the story. We need to realize we've been seeing it the wrong way. 
right? So Jesus says, how foolish and, of, and how slow of heart to believe. How foolish to think that we've got God's plan all figured out. How foolish, right? How foolish of these disciples to think that God's plan was just about setting up a little kingdom in a little plot of land in the Middle East. God was up to something so much bigger and better. And it's often the case in our own lives. When God doesn't come through the way we thought he would and we're like, oh, I guess God doesn't, he doesn't care about me the way I thought he did. No, he cares so much more about you than you thought he did. He has a plan for you that's so much bigger and better, but you need to trust his process. Trust his way, right? And so Jesus helps them recalibrate their perspective as he tells them how the story really goes. And he uses the Old Testament to lay out the gospel before them. Let me ask you some questions today that might help us recalibrate our expectations and our disappointment. What, what if, even though this happened to you, even though this didn't happen for you as you thought it would, what if God is for you and not against you? What if God wasn't surprised by this at all? What if what happened doesn't mess God's plan up for your life even a little bit? What if history doesn't have to repeat itself? You don't have to go through you don't have to go through the same thing again as we learn to trust God today. What if God has you right where he wants you right now? He's positioning you for what's next, right? What if you could open your heart to God again and to people again. Where does your story of God, what if that's a better question than where does God fit in my story? I'm going to say that one again. Where does your story fit in the story of God? And what if that's a better question than where does God fit in my story? Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 6. So as we learn to express our disappointment 
as we learn to recalibrate our thinking around trusting God and His plan and His process instead of, instead of um, you know, complaining that He didn't accomplish our process. As, as, we, as we learn to do those things, then God can take us from disappointment to a place of new appointment. Verse 28 of our passage. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on, continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those that were with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. These two, we'll call them Cleopas and Mary. We're not 100% sure, but let's call them Cleopas and Mary. These two have this moment when they see Jesus. They recognize Jesus in their situation. They recognize that the risen one is with them. They recognize that there is hope because Jesus has risen. And they turn from heads down, slow walk home, don't go any further, it's almost night, it's not time for traveling, there's bandits out there, to having a revelation of Jesus and all of a sudden they're so energized, they're zooming back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they've just seen. Their hope has been restored. Life has been restored where there was disappointment. Now there's hope, right? And so stories start to roll in from people who, have, who are followers of Jesus, who have seen the Lord, Mary Magdalene, Peter, Simon Peter. Now Cleopas come comes and tells his story. But Jesus has not yet appeared to all of them. But I want to flip over to John chapter 20, which is this same moment. John writes about this same moment. In John 20, we're almost done. John 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together 
With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. They've just been given a new appointment. They've gone through the death of disappointment. Gone through expressing it. Gone through being, having their hearts set again on God and his plan and his purpose. And now Jesus comes and stands among them and he says, now I've got a job for you to do. Now I've got an appointment for you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. It's interesting in this same story. Remember Thomas? He's in this chapter, John chapter 20. He missed this meeting. It's not good when you miss meetings. He missed this meeting. And so when he comes back from getting bread or whatever he was doing, they, they said, the Lord was here. And he doesn't believe. Because he's still stuck in his disappointment. But remember, a little while later, a couple days later, Jesus comes back. Right? Did you know that Thomas went farther with the gospel than all the other disciples. Thomas took the gospel to India. We give Thomas a hard time. But Thomas seems to be the one who was best at expressing his disappointment. And Thomas expresses his disappointment when, when Jesus comes, he has a revelation of Jesus, falls to the ground and says, my Lord and my God, and Jesus gives him an appointment and he goes farther than all the other disciples. Folks, if you're experiencing disappointment today, let's stand. And I bet some of us in this room can pinpoint our disappointment. We know exactly what we're disappointed about. But some of us in the room have pushed it down for so long, we don't even recognize it as disappointment. It's just, it's just a disconnect. It's just a hardened heart. It's just feeling a distance from God and from people. But I want to encourage you folks that the path to wholeness and healing and hope 
is not saying, oh, I don't have any problems. It's all good. And denying it, it's in embracing it. Saying, God, where does this come from? And then expressing it. Folks, in Lamentations, in Habakkuk, in the Psalms, the writers of Scripture got mad at God. Yeah, God, them, God got them through to a place of, of working through it and coming to a place of faith. But you know God's got big shoulders. And He can take your honesty today. He can take your authentic expressions of disappointment. Don't stuff it any longer. But move into it. Express it and ask God to give you His vision. I want to pray for you today. This has been a heavy message, but I think for some of us it's, it's hit, hit home. And I encourage you to not just let it be, just not go home and forget it, but, but go home and Sit with it. Say, God, take me through to a place of wholeness. So, Father, I thank you for your love for us today. I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you love us enough to just um, to have each one of us on a journey and a process of transformation even if sometimes it's painful. So God, I pray that, that we would have the courage to look at the hardness in our hearts, and the distance that we may feel right now. We'd have the courage to own our disappointment and express our disappointment and to move through our disappointment into a place of trust. A place of once again lifting our eyes and saying, my Lord and my God. Because God, you have an appointment. You have a destiny. You have a, an assignment for each one of us. May we not disappoint ourselves by staying stuck in disappointment but we move towards you today in honesty and openness and sincerity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like prayer, if, you've, if, if this has spoken to your heart today and you'd like prayer into some of those things, we invite you to just come forward. We'd love to pray, pray with you that God would give you the strength and the courage to work through these things. If you, got, if you need prayer for anything this morning, if you need prayer for healing, need prayer for a situation you're dealing with, we believe in a God who is a miracle worker. Why don't you come and receive prayer? If you need to leave, God bless you. Have a fantastic day. You are